Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Drivers! Start your engines! What for? Because you hit any other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect. When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing. Hey race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Racing Radio Network. Welcome to Drafting the Circus. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour or more as we dissect everything racing from this week. And wow, what a... What a big week in racing. Uh, uh, more news off the track than on, but uh, there's a lot to talk about tonight. So before we get to that, let me in- introduce you to the panel we have tonight. Uh, with me, as always, uh, from Richard Childress Racing, Mr. Gray Warren. Gray, how are you today? I'm doing terrific. Hope everyone else is. All right. Good to talk to you, Gray. Also, uh, Christopher DeHardy, the uh, IndyCar correspondent at Motorsports Tribune, is in the house. Christopher, how are you? Fantastic. It's been a great day so far. All right. All right. Glad to hear it's a great day. Seth Eggert, NASCAR correspondent over there with Chris at Motorsports Tribune. Seth, how are you? I'm doing great. All right. Good to hear from you, Seth. And last but certainly not not least, yeast. Wow. (laughs) Richard Uden from uh, Richard Childress (laughs) Racing. Yeah, Richard Richard had me cracked up earlier uh, before the show. So uh, anyway, Richard... Good to talk to you. Always is. How are you tonight? I'm very good. Thank you. Hope everybody else is well. All right. And we've got a special guest in the studio with us tonight, Mr. Brock Beard, the proprietor of LastCar.info, who has uh, a book that's ready to go to press about uh, J.D. McDuffie, one of the last privateers in NASCAR. We will get to that later, but good evening, Brock, and welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. Hey, no problem. And you know what? Before we get to your segment, you know, feel free to, if you want to jump in on this, any of the conversation we're having tonight, because I know you're a big you're a big racing guy like the rest of us. So, uh, so just real quick, absolutely. Uh, so just real quick, let me just go down the list of the uh, the headlines from this week, and it's a bit of a long list. And what I'm going to do, I'm just going to go down the list top to bottom, and I'm sure I've omitted some and left some out. And then I'm just going to throw it to the panel and let you guys grab any topic and uh, talk about it uh, one at a time, not all at once, okay? So 
so Smithfield is out at Richard Petty Motorsports, okay? And this whole divorce is rather ugly um, with a little he said, she said, he's a liar, she's a liar. Um, but uh, either way, Smithfield is headed to um, Stuart Haas Racing. We're not sure who they're going to sponsor, but we know they're not going to sponsor Danica Patrick because Danica Patrick is out of a ride, and that's been dominating the racing headlines for the last day and a half. The The smart money is on Eric Amarola going to Stuart Haas Racing, although that's not yet confirmed. Bubba Wallace, in the, in the, in the meantime, is uh, looked to be pursued by Richard Petty Motorsports. Uh, he filled in. Uh, there for a while while Eric was uh, recovering from some injuries, so that's possible there. The 77 team is on the verge of shutting down if they don't find a sponsor. Why nobody would go after Furniture Row Racing with the record they have with their 78 car is beyond me, but that looks like they may be shutting their doors there. Um, in other news, Zach Veach has signed a multi-year agreement with Andretti Autosports where he will be replacing Takuma Sato. Takuma Sato, who won the Indy 500 this year, is headed to Ray Hall Racing to make that a uh, Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan to make a two-car team over there. In the meantime, Tony Kanaan is leaving Chip Ganassi Racing, headed apparently to A.J. Foyt Racing, uh, where we're not sure who's out there, either Daly or Munoz, but the smart money is that Munoz is the one sent packing. Um, Zach DeMello, standout in Indy Lights, will be in a third Ray Hall car um, in Sonoma um, and with his eye on perhaps a full-time ride for next year. Um, SPM, Smith-Peterson Motorsports, has announced an Indy 500 deal for Tristan Gromandy um, that's going to be funded by Didier Kamels, who happens to be a convicted murderer. Um, <laughs> so, um, if that, if that's not crazy enough for you, J.R. Hildebrand is evidently out at Ed Carpenter Racing, uh, as we all got the good news that Spencer Pickett is getting the full-time ride, uh, that he deserves, rather than just running the road courses. Um, speaking of going back to Chip Ganassi, Chip Ganassi is evidently going to scale down to two cars, um, and Scott Dixon confirmed, we don't know who's driving the second one. There's a, a few names being floated out there, and we'll get to those later. Um, as Elio Castroneves seems to be doomed to head into sports cars unless he wins a championship and can change Roger's mind. Um, Mercedes announced they're going to retain uh, Valtteri Bottas in Formula 1, and McLaren is going to pick up uh, Renault Power. Uh, speaking of Renault, Carlos Sainz will leave Toro Rosso uh, to go to Renault, which kind of shuts the door on Robert Kubitz's return uh, to Renault, although suddenly Kubitz's name is now being linked to Williams to replace Massa, who, as we remembered, forgot that he was retired and raced another year. <laughs> so um, th- that's what I've got. Uh, so anything you want to jump in on, um, and Seth, I'll throw it to you first. Well, the NASCAR stuff, aside from the 77 shutting down, I first said on this show back in late May, early June. I was in Charlotte. I heard Danica was going to be out of 10, Almarola was going to be in the 10, and Bubba was going to be in the 43. I, I mean, I wasn't surprised when I heard the news. I'm just surprised that it took so long. But it seems like it kind of wasn't going to happen. And then when the Smithfield deal with Petty fell apart, everything fell back into place, so, so to speak. So this Smithfield thing is 
pretty ugly if you if you start reading the comments going back and forth. It, it seems like you know R- Richard Petty is is trying to say they had a handshake deal, um, and then they. Smithfield was someone not happy that they were pursuing Bubba Wallace. Uh, Smithfield uh, pretty much said that uh, Richard Petty is making stuff up, and there was no handshake agreement. and And Smithfield's concern was the lack of performance from the team, and beyond that, the lack of a clear plan to improve the performance. So, uh, you know, what else are you hearing on this, guys? Well, as far as lack of a plan. I don't, I'm not entirely sure what Smithfield was talking about, considering there was the rumors that Petty was going to switch from being aligned with Roush to being aligned with Richard Childress Racing. I mean, a full-scale manufacturer swap was being rumored, uh, a driver change. I mean, just about everything you could think of was going to change for Petty. So I'm not entirely sure where Smithfield is coming from in the sense that they didn't have a clear plan. Uh, Richard, Gray, any any opinions? You know, we've been hearing this rumor mill stuff going on and on for, for, for weeks on end, and I don't think anybody really knows what's, what's going to transpire. Uh, I, I think the RPM is, is really in a state of flux right now. They've already decided not to renew the lease on their current shop. So they're looking for another place to go with all the other stuff that's going on. So right now, we're looking at RPM without a home, without a driver, and without a sponsor. And it's kind of late in the game. So uh, I know that was part of the reason for for Richard's disappointment and and, and the tone of the statement that he made was because of the, the lateness of, of, of all this going on. So, gosh, I tell you, I, I don't know. I would hate to be one of those guys that works over there and, uh, you know, just with everything up in the air, having to worry about what uh, what was going to transpire over the next uh, 10 weeks. Do you think this is a little bit of a, a sort of setting a tone a little bit for the way NASCAR is evolving in that, you're maybe getting away from some of these old school handshake deals and, you know, companies, brands being loyal to a certain team. Um, you know, we're getting into a more commercial world where deals are struck and contracts aren't even worth the, the paper they're written on. And, and maybe it's sort of, I don't want to say that this sort of uh, business model is passing some of these guys by. Yeah. I mean, th- and like it was alluded to, some of the old business deals were done that way. But, you know, we're not only talking about a different time in racing. We're talking about a different time in society as well. Think, you know, business was conducted differently back back in the old days. Uh, it, racing business and every kind of business. So, yeah, I think, I think, too, I think basically what it boils down to is it was a misunderstanding uh, between a group of people about what was going to transpire and, and what was, what were the promises made and not made, uh, you know, and, and I think a lot of it's driven by the disappointment and 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 it's hard to say. I, Seth maybe can correct me on this, but but am I understanding that that Smithfield has undergone an ownership change in, within the last year as well? Is that correct? Honestly, not entirely sure. I don't remember seeing that. But at the same time, uh, 
I know some of their partnerships have changed in the past year. I I know they're still partnered with Waffle House. Uh, I know they went from being partnered, I want to say, with Lowe's Food, which is uh, based here in Mooresville, North Carolina, to, uh, I want to say, being partnered with, I think, Safeway, yeah. which is another grocery chain. So I know some of their partnerships have changed. So yeah. I, I honestly don't know if they have had an ownership change, but it wouldn't surprise me. But what's uh, interesting, though, is, is it has led to a, a pretty much a war of words between the two parties, uh, both of them coming out with some rather terse statements directed at one another. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And I think that's a shame. You know, uh, Smithfield was a, was a good and loyal sponsor for the Petties for a number of years. And, I, and I, I'm sure there's a there's a lot of disappointment on both sides. I, I, I honestly hope that, you know, Richard Petty is such an icon in the sport. He's single-handedly one of the most influential people the sport has ever had for for not only the growth of the sport uh over its over the long run you know um i hope hope that they can they can come together and 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 land a driver i heard it was announced today that they would like to take uh uh bubba wallace uh with them as a driver if they can secure sponsorship i hope they can i hope they can do it and, and get a plan together to uh to be able to field a car in 2018. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, great to your point about the, you know, changing ownership or changing leadership in these companies. You know, we've seen that a lot, you know, across the board in different companies. That's uh, the new CEO was in, in, at Target is uh, what's caused the racing sponsorships to cease there. You know, they dropped the IndyCar program last year and uh, they'll be dropping the NASCAR program at the conclusion of this year. Um, changing leadership at the top of Verizon has uh, the IndyCar series wondering if uh, if uh, they'll be looking for a new title sponsor. So uh, uh, it's, um, again, there's a lot of changing business models. Um, you know, from the, from the race teams, they really need to... Uh, Really show these guys where there is value in the in the sponsorship package there, and um, it's it's a tough sell uh, for a lot of these guys right now. Particularly, you know, uh, somebody with um, questionable performance like um, Richard Petty Motorsport. That's true. That's one of the things that Smithfield stated hey. stated in their statement that they were disappointed in the performance of RPM. Now, uh, just a thought on that. It it. Somewhat of an unpopular opinion, I will say that. But it seems to me that uh, Richard Petty Motorsports or Petty as a whole 
has somewhat been on life support since the death of Adam Petty, if you think about it. They have only had about five wins in that entire time period. And they've gone from being on their own, and they, it looked like they were going to have a plan with Chad McCombie, and then they had a uh, investor come in, wipe that out. Then they merged with the Gillettes. We all know how that turned out. Then they went to Andy Mernstein. They hired uh, Ryan Truex and Corey LaJoy as development drivers, and it never really panned out. And now it seems like they have another good shot with another young driver, Daryl Wallace Jr., except they don't have sponsorship anymore, and they may not even have uh, manufacturer support, depending on what goes on. Yes, they're, they're between a rock and a hard place, no doubt. And and you're right, we have, you know, the, the petty enterprises of old has not existed in many, many, many years as, as, as we knew it and grew up with. So, yeah, I think, uh, and, and they have basically survived with, with in, in many ways, with Richard Petty being more or less the figurehead uh, of certain business deals and lending his name to two organizations. And it has really not been a true petty motorsports, if, if you will. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, one, you know, there's been this rumor going around that, um, that Richard Petty uh, may merge or, or become an alliance team of, of, of RCR. And basically, if, if, if that were to happen, uh, it, it, they would essentially be, using RCR equipment, chassis, engines, and they would provide the man, that team would essentially just be providing the manpower to uh, take the car to the track and, 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 main, and maintain the car, you know, on, on the race weekend. So, I mean, again, all this speculation and, and conjecture, we don't know that that's happened, but that's been, you know, hot, a hot and heavy rumor for the last uh, uh, six, six weeks or so. All right, so let's you know let let's move on. Like I said, we've got a lot to cover. Um, so, but uh, I mean, real quick, uh, let's talk about Danica because that's been dominating the headlines. As Danica is known to dom- dominate headlines, you know, of course. Uh, so Danica's out at Stuart Haas. Uh, looks like Amarola is in. Um, I, I I I would expect um, Kurt Busch to go ahead and and re-sign there. Um, with uh, Stuart Haas as well. We're not sure if that Smithfield money is going to go on the 10 or it might go on the 14 with Clint Boyer. But um, do you believe, I mean, and the, the articles about Danica run the gamut from people saying kind words about her to her, people wishing her good riddance kicked her out the door to people saying she's going to come back to IndyCar, which I I honestly don't see that happening. I don't believe she has a desire to return to IndyCar. Uh <clears throat> Perhaps she does, but do uh, uh, you guys see see a spot for her anywhere in the in the Cup Series, or or do we think that uh, her retirement is imminent, Chris? Honestly, I don't see a spot for her in NASCAR. Um, it, she hasn't had the kind of performances that she's needed to have in order to justify, my opinion, her having a seat. And I guess to kind of keep this brief, uh, Frank, knock knock. Who's there? Danica. Danica who? Exactly. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think she's been on the mind of any IndyCar owners. I mean, there's I, – I, 
again, you know, as I recall her in an interview saying years ago, she had no desire to return to IndyCar. I, I can't speak to her mindset right now, but I believe uh, her, like uh, also like Sam Hornish, uh, after the Weldon thing, have no desire to step in an open wheel car. Um, but uh, you know, I mean, you know, she's got uh, she's got a, a brand now. She's marketing. Um, she's <laughs> she she's got a boyfriend and know how to win races. So. <laughs> Well, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't know what's next for Danica, but uh, suffice to say, she can still make the headlines. Just you know, based on a, if if you read all the racing articles today, she's she's dominating the headlines, and and she's not uh, said anything about what she's doing. But um, I mean, you know, to, yeah. to put it into context, um, you know, if you know the the news that Paul Menard was swapping from RCR to, to the Wood Brothers, you know, there was no ripple on that. The news that Danica's out of that uh, out of the ten car is the front page on CNN tonight. Oh yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah Dan, Dan, Danica's, Danica's power. Exactly, yeah. So, and yeah, but, as Gray and myself were talking about earlier in the week, she's probably run better than Paul this year, and you know she could probably do a job for RCR. Yeah, you know she does have a better average finish now that you know she's fit, sitting currently about at a twentieth twentieth place average finish, which is. Which is smack smack dab middle of the field, um, and and I tell you, when you look at her, she's probably as serviceable a driver as the back half of, of of any Cup field anyway. I think the problem with Danica is that her overall star and marketing power has has become somewhat tarnished over the last six or seven years because she hasn't had the success, and uh, that that's tough too. And we're also in a climate where you know, sponsors are exceedingly tough, tough to get. Um, everything you hear about Danica, there's no concrete word on where she went. She'll go here, she'll go there. I, I don't see uh, many rides for her in in the Cup Series right now, unless she could secure a sponsor and bring it bring it with her. Uh, again, drivers, it's it's an owner's market right now, and and they're the ones that are going to be getting these getting these drivers, and and pretty much. The drivers are going to have to accept the best deal they can get to get in one of these cars. I've also heard that Danica, you know, had been looking at, you know, winding her career down. Uh, I've heard where she, you know, uh, she's she's still relatively young, and uh, you know, she she and um, uh, her her boyfriend will probably like to start a family at some point in time. At some, you know, and the clock's ticking on that, so you never know what uh, what she'll decide. No, you never know. Plus, plus, you know, there's 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 sports cars, you know. <laughs> Although uh, a lot of those rides are imploding now, but uh, anyway, so I, I don't see a spot for her in IndyCar either right now. But although the IndyCars, there are a lot of seats in flux here, and I want to throw this to you, Chris, uh, with with some of the news there, like Schmidt Schmidt Peterson. Uh, they're looking for a driver to replace uh, Mikel Lotion in the second car, and they said they have a short list, a short list of 28 drivers. Well, I was actually contacted by them to drive. No, kidding. Um, oh, yeah, they saw you in iRacing, right? I know. Uh, well, I mean, winning a five-wide finish in Star Ma- in Pro Mazda at the Speedway obviously impressed somebody, but and I digress. Um, the short list of 28 drivers, I mean, they're going all over the place. WAC, sports, you know, other sports cars, um, Formula 2, Indy Lights. Touring, in my yeah, opinion, German touring cars. In my opinion, 
one of the, probably the more likely candidate is going to be Santi Arusia or Santiago Arusia from Indy Lights. Um, he's te- he's done races with their Indy Lights team back in 2016, so he knows a lot of the people that are over there, and he's going to have money behind him. And he's actually a re- he would be a really good uh, uh, personality for IndyCar. Uh, his response to winning at Gateway told me all I needed to know, but. Looking at some other rides that have changed, you know, places today. Zach Veach being confirmed at Andretti Autosport. That's a four American lineup at Andretti Autosport with him, Rossi, Hunter Ray, and some other guy. Um, hey, owner, but another owner's kid, right? <coughs> eh, whatever. Yeah. Um, then we look at Spencer Piggott being confirmed to being the full-time driver in the 21 car for Ed Carpenter Racing. He's the winningest driver on the road to Indy and actually has done a really good job for Ed Carpenter's team this year. The only downside is that, unfortunately, some bad luck has hit him in a couple of races where he was doing really well this year, like at Toronto and at St. Petersburg, where he wasn't able to show how good he really is. And having a full-time seat where he wasn't going to have to worry about you know being in, being out, being in, being out – Having a full-time seat will truly help him develop as a driver and will really help elevate Ed Carpenter's team, in my opinion. Oh, no no doubt. No, that's great news for both Zach Veach and for um, and for Spencer Pickett. So, uh, and again, um, what are your thoughts on uh, this young Canadian gentleman, you know, Zachary Clement DeMello? Uh, Clement DeMello. I mean, he's, I think this kid's pretty good. Clement DeMello has shown flashes of brilliance this year. He won the second Indy Lights race at Road America. So he's done a decent job this year. He did have some issues earlier in the season that prevented him from getting higher up in the standings. He did finish the last half of the year. Um. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. What was it like eight or six or eight, eight six place finishes and up in a row, which no other driver did that for the last uh, half of the season. <laughs> so, in my opinion, he's definitely quick. Would I say he's absolutely ready for IndyCar? Maybe not. Well, we'll find out at Sonoma because he's gonna gonna get his first start there in a Ray Hall car. Which uh, Ray Hall car is not uh, that's not a bad ride to have in a road course as Graham. So, uh, but anyway, Gray, you've got a question for Chris. Yeah, um, it was announced this week that I think, what is it, Kanan is going with A.J. Ford, is that correct? That's the rumor. Of course, the team hasn't put anything out yet about it. I saw I saw that, and I didn't know whether that was, a, was <laughs> didn't read the whole thing, didn't know whether that was, was, was a confirmation or, or something concrete or, 
or, or just or just you know something on the rumor mill line. So okay. the move well, does make sense yeah, it, if you think a, about it's it. It's a pretty strong rumor. I mean, it's 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 coming from some solid sources. But I'm sorry, Chris, go ahead. I mean, it's a solid rumor because it's going to be one of the last paying drives in IndyCar because you know Ganassi's scaling down. Um, Canon didn't really have that many other options, and I think Foyt respects the hell out of what Tony has been able to do for Ganassi. Well, in the early part of Ganassi, he only has one win there uh, in the last few seasons with uh, 2014 at Fontana. But with what he's done at Andretti and how he always runs well at Indy, I think we're going to see Canon, if he does go to Foyt, he's going to team up um, – with Connor Daly, because I don't see Munoz landing that drive for next year. And I think Connor, with his recent uptick, uptick in performance, has shown that when he has the crew and the car and everything in Indianapolis, that team chemistry is starting to really gel. And you can see how well that they've been doing recently with the fifth place at Gateway and an 11th place finish over at um, Watkins Glen. I expect to see more things out of Connor Daly next year to show everybody that he deserves the ride that he has. Absolutely, and I think that, that adding Tony into that mix there, I mean, the one thing that, that the Ford team lacks this year is a guy with years of experience who can really talk to the engineers about what the car is doing, you know. Uh, Munoz is, is rather new to the game. Daly's even newer. Um, you know, Foyt, uh, Foyt's best result was uh, when he the last uh, win was uh, what 2013 when Sato won at Long Beach. Um, so Correct. he really hasn't had a, a just a really solid guy that can that can develop the car um, and and develop the other drivers. So and and you know Tony's done well uh, in that role with Andretti when he was uh, I, I don't know I I had read it they said he was the babysitter for Danica and, and uh, Marco but um, but he certainly uh, helped those folks along a bit. So I think it'd be a good role for Tony. I, I don't know how competitive that team's going to be. But um, having Tony will only make them better because they can't get much worse. And when you look at how the Foyt team has been going this the last two or three seasons, they've had a lot of struggles. And then I, I've said for a while now, if you're going to have a successful IndyCar team, you need to be based in the Midwest or be Roger Penske. Um <laughs> Well, it's true. And then having Foyt's team based in Houston, they haven't had the recruiting power to get a lot of people that are in the Midwest where the industry is. Kind of like how everybody's in Charlotte for NASCAR except for Furniture Row. And I'm not sure if Wood Brothers still has a small shop in Stewart, Virginia or not. But Just just a museum. They, their shop is in the is in Charlotte area. All right. Um, but Foyt's team is going to have an issues with recruiting talent unless they get the shop fully in Indianapolis. And I think AJ would probably enjoy being in Indianapolis as well because, let's face it, getting up there in age, I mean, Indianapolis is you know a decent place to be. I mean, you're going to have to deal with snow, but at least you can go eat at Charlie Brown's every day and have the speedway within sight of your uh, work and workshop window. Absolutely. So, so anyway, so let's move on again. Like there's, there's, there's so much to talk about, but, uh, so, um, we had a race in, uh, in Richmond this weekend, nice Saturday night race. Nothing interesting happened <laughs> other than, uh, poor old Martin Truex two weeks in a row is, uh, got the checkers in sight and, uh, and watches somebody else takes the win. Um, the interesting thing yeah, here is, uh, you know, Martin, this weekend was much more cruel. <laughs> much more cruel, yeah, because uh, it uh, the last one, Martin cut a tire, brushed the wall, uh, no caution, right? Uh, this one, Derek Cope, who 
I didn't even know he was still racing. Um, <laughs> cuts the tire, hits the wall, throw the caution, um, you know, forces a restart. You know, Martin knew his car wasn't great on the restarts. Uh, gets snookered by um, um, Mr. Uh, Target Car, Kyle Larson. I don't know why his name popped out of my head for a second. Snookered by car- Kyle Larson on the restart and then ends up in the wall. So not only loses the race, um, tears up a good race car, um, and then, then people were giving him crap that, that he wasn't all happy and smiley when they gave him the regular season trophy. But uh, uh, he, he, he's only, you know, 10 minutes removed from from this huge disappointment. And uh, I'll tell you what, I like a guy that wears his emotions on his sleeve, you know, when they said, well, hey, you've got – You've got 56 uh, playoff points. He said, I should have five more. You know, I I, I think Truex is great. But uh, I, I, the bigger thing was this crazy ambulance story. So which one of you guys wants to go ahead and tell the ambulance story? Well, there was more than just the crazy ambulance story. There was a whole series of gaffes. Well, yeah. During the, <laughs> during the race. All that. The, one of the first was uh, when Kenseth was leading the race, he goes down into – to turn three and there's a lapped car in front of him and he has to get on the brakes really, really hard. And he, he slid the tires and created a, a lot of smoke. Well, NASCAR goes ahead and throws the caution as if he had a blown <laughs> engine. So that was gaff number one. And the official reason for that caution was smoke. Yeah. Was smoke. <laughs> and all it was, was shout brakes. out to Tony Stewart. Yeah. All I was going to yeah, say, yeah. Right. All it was was brake smoke, and he got, had to get on the brakes real hard to avoid a lap car. So that was the first thing. Somebody was a little bit quick with the trigger there. To, 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 of course, Kenseth had, had what jumped out to about a two-second lead or something, and the race had kind of settled into a little bit of a procession there. So anytime a race gets like that, NASCAR loves, loves the, 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 uh, the opportunity to throw a caution to kind of uh, bunch up the field again and have, a, have an exciting restart. Then we had the next thing that uh, Matt Kenseth was also a part of too. Uh, I believe was this this was brought about. Was this one brought about when uh, when uh, Danica and uh, and Austin Dillon got yes. together? Okay, uh, Austin Dillon Danica get together on the racetrack. Uh, Danica spins, brings out the caution, and for whatever reason, an ambulance decided. To be, I don't think we'll ever know the complete version because nascar is not going to admit any wrongdoing on this thing but most times and we you know and richard richard's you know he's watched many of these races and he's been on the scanner and we've all at the racetrack we've been on the scanner we know that these these other vehicles do not move at all unless directed to do so by the tower for whatever reason this ambulance moves and then it gets down low and starts up along the pit entrance well, they try to get it to stop, and they finally get it stopped. But the second gaffe of that was that someone opened pit road when all this was going on. So there's two gaffes right there. The cars are see the green light enter pit road, so obviously they're all going to die for pit road. The ambulance is sitting there when they round the curve, and it creates an accordion chain reaction effect. And, of course, it ends uh, Kenseth's night. He runs into the back of... Uh, Clint Boyer and uh, busts a radiator on his car, and he has to go behind the wall and retire from the race, which at that time could have been very, very pivotal had we had an, an, a new winner in the race. Uh, it would probably have knocked Kenseth out of the chase 
or the or the playoffs. As it happened, Kyle Larson gets the win at the end uh, because of another questionable call by NASCAR late in the race with what was it uh, three lap three to go I believe it was uh, Derek Cope brushes and I do mean brushes the wall. Uh, normally, I had seen during the course of the race other cars get high and skin the skin the fence a little bit, come back down. No caution is thrown, and th- and this particular uh, uh, incident looked looked much the same. I saw no debris on the track, which NASCAR claimed there was. Uh, other people there at the racetrack claimed there was no debris on it, but you know that's that's neither here nor there. Caution comes out and erases um, Truex's about a three second lead. The cars come down pit road. Uh, Larson beats uh, Truex off pit road and gets to choose his lane on the restart, and the rest is history. He gets a good restart, drives away, and then Denny Hamlin gets into um, um, Truex uh, racing for the third position and uh, big crash, and that ends Truex's night. So, so kind of like Gray, Gray, do you think that that? Um, debris on the track was the crusty old driver in a twenty lap in a car twenty laps down. Look, come you know, on, I'm that's not funny. Gonna, <laughs> I'm not, not going to debate whether whether you know. It, there's other people that have debated whether Cope should have been out there. Whether he should, he had every right to be out on the racetrack. He's he made the field and he was driving. It doesn't matter if he was one lap or 20 laps down. He was still out there competing, as was his right, on the racetrack. He wasn't in anybody's way. It just so happened that he had a problem with three laps to go, and he brushed the wall. And and, he, I, and he's not the one that, that threw the caution. He didn't, you know, right. And exactly. For, 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 me, for me, I would not have thought that that caution should have come out. But here again, NASCAR likes drama. They like close finishes, and if they see the opportunity to do that, they're going to throw that caution. That's just what they do, and and that you know you talk about precedent. That's always been the precedent for NASCAR. We can't debate that. They've always, they've always done that. So the caution comes out, and you knew what was going to happen. We were going to go to overtime, and we were going to have a slam bang finish. You know that 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 much is a given. Um, I, I, I don't see I, people. I'll, I'll Derek Coke. It's just the innocent victim in all this, I think. Exactly. I'll just say this. You know what? If Truex doesn't win this cup, it'll be a travesty because he has been so spot on at every kind of track uh, this year. So I just hope that nothing crazy like this happens uh, in any of these elimination races. That's for sure. Yeah, and, I think uh, they're going to have to take a different look at how they how they officiate these things. And I mean, you know, we we it's not only NASCAR; we see it in all forms of major major league sports. Oh, sure, you yeah. Know, offici- offici- Mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun with over eighty casino style games to choose from. You too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a whirl. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Officiating does, in a lot of cases, determine the outcome of of these sporting events, whether good or bad. Uh, but you know, it, it's just like I said, it, it, it's just what went down, and I don't think fans. 
fans or or people in the media that jumping on uh, Derek Cope said, "Oh, he shouldn't have been out there." Shouldn't have been. Hey, everybody starts that race should be on it. And you know, what are you going to do? Go out here and okay, we have a have a, have a late race stop the race and eliminate the the back half of the field, make them go to the thing, just leave the cars and leave. You can't do it. That's part of the race. You know, that's that's what happens. So. Uh, people need to get over that part of it. If they really want to direct their anger to to or to anyone or to the displeasure about it, you know, NASCAR is the the perfect target for that. So speaking of which, I want to talk about the so they they let people off on the um, the pit entry blend line because of the ambulance, right? But yet they applied the five minute clock uh, to Kenseth. They, uh, but they know, waited. They waited about five minutes to even apply it too. Yeah, so they kind of gave them double the time. Well, I, 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 I guess think, I guess the car was still. I, I, think I, I they guess did, wrecked enough, but well, I think there was so much so much tongue lashing going on between crew chiefs to the official in their pit and directed at the tower. I don't think you know any directives could come down for about five minutes until they got. Uh, so they got a handle on things. That's probably why the why why the delay of that. But yeah, that that was a, that was that was a big deal. I, and, you know, I, NASCAR you know, it, can. It can, just I it I, just reminds me of some of the USAC officiated races from the early days of the IRL, <laughs> right? And Christopher, you, and, know, you know what I'm talking about. They actually officiated. <laughs> sort sort right. of, sort of. I don't know. Ask Sari Lyondike and AJ. So, well, you know what USAC stands for, right? You suck at counting. Ah, there you go. There you go. So, <laughs> hey, so guys, one further thing. One further thing. Right, I'm going to right direct Ray. this comment. Brock, Brock is Brock, Brock, who's joined us tonight, is is also commenting on uh, on our chat that we that we that we have going on behind the scenes. And he was saying that NBC was also complicit in the caution because Steve Steve La Tart was saying, "Look at debris. Those debris that you saw was when was actually rubber that was coming up off uh, off that car where he'd got up into marbles and was spreading the rubber. There really wasn't any debris as far as chunk, you know, pieces of the car or anything. I saw what I saw what you're alluding to. It was just you know the marbles up in the upper that had been deposited up near the up near the wall that that came down. Uh, but I, I didn't see any tire carcass or any sheet metal or anything else deposited on the track. So this is probably a good segue to go ahead and bring Brock into our conversation. We're talking about uh, uh, Dirk Cope, and Seth's just put in there, Cope was fired by Premium Motorsports, by the way. Yeah, after the race, they agreed to part ways. Okay. That's, so premium. That, that's unfortunate. <laughs> but uh, well, when we're talking about uh, you know, cars at the back of the field or cars several laps down. Now, Brock, you've, you, you've made a project of this. You've, uh, you're the proprietor of, of uh, right, who's making all that noise? He's the, so Brock, it's lastcar.info. Uh, that's your website. And you followed the last place finisher, finisher of uh, NASCAR races for years and years and compiled, compiled um, an incredible database. So Brock, just uh, let's talk about that a little bit. And then, then I want to talk to you about your book project too. Yeah, certainly. Uh, you know, Derek Cope, it's actually interesting transition on that, too. He kind of featured uh, big time in the statistics on our website as well, um, because uh, he actually had like you know, a number of uh, before he disappeared from the sport. He actually had a number of last place finishes back then. But 
Um, you know, yeah, I mean, we started the site back in 2009, and we've been just keeping uh, doing weekly uh, statistics on uh, all the top three series, kind of phase them in through the next couple of years. And, uh, yeah, just following the back of the field and also kind of the uh, the uh, last changes at the back of the field as well. And it's kind of taken on a life of its own. Uh, interesting work. And, and I knew we, 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 we're going to bring you in talk to talk about your, your, your project with J.D. McDuffie. But, you know, I think at one time I, I saw J.D. McDuffie up until about 2014 uh, held the record for most last place finishes. And who was it? Joe Nemechek. Uh, overtook him in 2014 or uh, or 2015, something like that. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, actually, yeah, Joe, um, yeah, JD McDuffie had 32 last place finishes in his career, and uh, he finished last in his final start as well. And uh, Joe Nemechek passed him in 2014 at Martinsville, and uh, he pretty much left to uh, help John Hunter, John Hunter out since then. So he still stands at that one finish lead since then. So who's, yeah, who, who's next on the list? Active driver to uh, to uh, take that uh, crown. Anybody close? Well, you know, it's it's kind of been a weird thing because if you look at uh, the top three divisions across the board, the uh, there's there's not really much of a battle now because Jeff Green has racked up a ton of them in the Xfinity series and the start and uh, kind of helping out uh, you know TriStar Motorsports now RSS Racing with kind of the start and park efforts. And, um, you know, it's uh, that he now has, uh, I believe, 101 across all three divisions and closing on 100 in just Xfinity alone. So wow. uh, it's a, it's a, it's it, it kind of sheds new light on some of these other drivers. You know, I find it curious that when you when you chronicle uh, J.D.'s career in, in, in his lab, I think he, J.D. started 650 some odd races over over 25, 26, 27, 8, 28 year career. Uh JD actually, you know, he is well known. He was a, he was a underfunded privateer, but JD's races were long and well before the Starton Park era. And JD actually got out there and he completed quite a few laps in in the races that he did compete in, and, and just ended up finishing, you know, in last place. And basically, he wasn't wasn't out there trying to do a Starton Park. And when oh, you yes. compare that, when you compare that to Joe Nemechek's uh, uh, statistics, where you know Joe, uh, when he went and started his own team uh, back in about two thousand eight, two thousand nine, he was a he along with several other teams, they were a dedicated start and park team, and I think that's where Joe probably really padded his last place statistics was was between uh, two thousand eight and two thousand fourteen. And you're right, and that's and that's a real challenge with the website as well. And I I don't mean to disparage JD at all. I mean quite the opposite. You know, I mean, oh yeah, I've, I've I, seen, I got yeah, you. yeah. I mean, there were quotes there that said like you know people were questioning even back then and saying like no, when I go in there, I'm there to win. But um, you know, th- th- and you're right. Th- that's and that's kind of the challenge when you have these other drivers today. It is the sport has changed so much where start and parking is 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 a big thing to you know where startup teams. I really needed it to kind of get their legs under them and everything. And, um, you know, the, uh, you know, but that's the thing is the challenge with the website, of course, is that these finishes don't really get uh, tracked that often. You know, it used to be back in the day, like even like ESPN, they would show like, you know, the first car to go behind the wall or something. And here you have to kind of piece things together. So I always try not to be, you know, skeptical about like if this is like a certain park thing or if this is like a legitimate thing. Like if I have the information, I'll, I'll put it in there. But, 
you know, the, you know, when I like list the cause out and it says like it came out with transmission problems after two right. laps, I'll put, yeah, transmission yeah. problem after two laps. You try yeah. to be black and white with it. I, I got you. You just, just, you know, where he finished is where he finished. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, but it is a legitimate concern because, I mean, in 2012, I was thinking earlier today, there was a time where Joe Nimichek was at Sears Point uh, and he was uh, making several trips to the garage area. And when I was, and I was just in the stands, I couldn't see what was going on. I thought he had a mechanical problem and he just had to, he was losing a lot of laps. Turned out after the fact, he was actually pitting his car behind the wall because he didn't have a pit crew. So he was mm-hmm. having his garage crew. To it. So that's where it, the nuances kind of come in. Right. Yeah, and it, it is it is a unique situation. Yeah, so let, let's talk about uh, J.D. McDuffie a little bit, uh, since you've you've written a book about him, and I really want to, uh, uh, you know, you know, know when this book is coming out and where we can buy it. But uh, J.D., uh, you talk about his last place finishes. I mean, over uh, his career spanned nearly thirty years from the from the early sixties to the early nineties, and. It, you know, in addition to all the last place finishes, well, he did rack up 106 top 10 finishes and he won pole. So, uh, you know, the guy wasn't terrible, that's for sure. But, uh, but Brock, what uh, what drew you to J.D. McDuffie? And, and you, you've told me you're writing, you know, after his time, you never actually uh, watched him race. Gray and I are old enough to have watched him race. Uh, but, uh, you know, what kind of you know, brought you to, uh, compelled you about his story that you wanted to, to go ahead and chronicle and write a book about J.D.? Well, you know, J.D. McDuffie is kind of an interesting figure in, in the sense that he seems like he's popped up in every project that I've worked on relating to NASCAR since I was a fan. Uh, you know, I did the last place statistics. Of course, he came up there. Um, you know, when uh, I, you know, I grew up going to the road courses. So, you know, people talked about uh, JD in that context as well. And he just kept showing up in, in these things. And so it got me really curious about it, especially, you know, this was about like 2000, 2001, you know, the internet wasn't really fully developed on there. And so and you didn't see a whole lot of information. So it just got me more curious about him. And what I've come to realize, especially now with, with, with Lascar is he's really the Dale Earnhardt of, you know, the back of the field. Like he's, you know, this this driver that had a very similar background, you know, limited education and um, but, you know, very hands on and, and, you know, had to claw his way into competition here. And, you know, really, but for a couple of decisions, you know, you know, J.D. could have been in the exact same position that that Earnhardt was you, working with a different team and going from there. And, you know, it just it just took a different direction. And, you know, so, you know, again, and, and we actually just got back from going to, uh, you know, uh, Darlington a couple of weeks ago and took a side trip to Sanford. And you go up there and he's not he's not a forgotten or kind of hidden character there at all. There's so many people had so many stories about him and we really wanted to um, bring that to light for sure. Now, were you yeah. a, were you able to to um, like interview or speak with any of uh uh, you know, any of his uh, you know crew members or folks that had worked with him or, or drivers that competed against or any family members uh, in your research for the project? Oh, yes. And actually, we did this a little bit backwards because the trip to Sanford kind of came at the end of our, our research. But uh, in the first part of it, yes, we we would uh, we spoke with uh, his wife, uh, um, Imogene, his daughter, Linda. Uh, we also spoke with, yes, several of the crew members of uh, Marty Burke, uh, Jerry Glenn, several other people that were with him all the way up to the end of his career, uh, a couple of his crew chiefs, fans that were at the track. We've had at least between about, I think about between 30 and 40 different people we've spoken with for this book alone. So 
again, you know, it, it's it's a figure in the sport that maybe to some people, especially newer fans, isn't really that well known. But to and, and again, I'm sure uh, you and Gray can attest to this. You know, a, a, a very popular figure for those who uh, who did get the chance to see him race. Yeah, very. He was a he was the ultimate privateer. Uh, struggled his entire career. Was always underfunded, and basically, you know, he did it for the pure love of, of the sport and what he did. And, and, and that's, that's, that's to be commended. He followed his dream and, uh, and he did it. He did it every day. And, uh, you know, you, 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 this, the sports filled with other people that would have similar stories to JD, uh, you know, um, Wendell Scott, um, Jimmy Smut means, Others, Dave Marcus. Dave Marcus was one of the was well, his career was a lot like JD's. Only that that Dave got that break and got to drive uh, some 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 nice equipment uh, during his career. But uh, you know, it's 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 really good, and I I, I want to commend you for uh, for for taking on this project. And I look I for one look forward to uh, to reading this book. Absolutely, thank you very much, and and you know, and that and that's really what we're looking for. We're looking to do a book here that's also you know definitely for people who knew him, but also people who may not have known him or not have known about racing at all, and make it uh, make it for all readers. But that's why we uh, we worked with Waldorf Publishing is the publisher. The book comes out on July fifteenth, two thousand eighteen. So just a few months away here. Uh, it's going to be a print release. It's going to be available on uh, Amazon as well as through Waldorf themselves. Uh, we're going to uh, have more details as we get closer to that date. Um, but, yeah, July 15th, 2018 is the uh, release date for the book. I'll have to go dig out my – go in my archives tonight. I have a autographed J.D. McDuffie hero card in some of my stuff somewhere. I'll have to, have to dig it out and scan it and post it. Yeah, I know. I'd love to see that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's cool, man. I'm just really, you know, there's a lot of, you know, there's a, a, so much written about the, you know, uh, the, the Earnhardts and the, the Petties and whatnot. But uh, I, I'm really glad that you latched on to JD and um, and are going to be able to put this out there. And, uh, I, you know, we'll do everything we can to help promote you uh, with that. So uh, and anybody else have a question for Brock? Uh, well, I guess I have one. As far as this year is concerned, 2017, who are the last car leaders heading into the playoffs for all three series? <laughs> well, that's always kind of an interesting thing. We're we're very much an old school website. We go for a full season championship. Uh, we thought about doing a chase format, but uh, we kind of changed that. Uh, we kind of changed it up after a while. I understand there's some people on uh, Reddit, I believe that. Uh, set that up and had Michael Annette be the champion last year. But, uh, you know, this year we're looking at uh, Jeffrey Earnhardt as a leader in the Cup Series right now. Uh, in Xfinity, Jeff Green uh, is extending a lead over Jordan Anderson. And the Truck Series, there's a, currently a three, uh, three-way three tie that Todd Peck is etching out in front. So those are the drivers to uh, look at going forward. Interesting for, in a dubious way. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, you know, again, putting the names out there. I mean, we, you know, we, we spoke with Jeff Green at Darlington a couple weeks ago. Uh, I actually made him a T-shirt to uh, commemorate his uh, 100th overall last place finish. And he was so he was so cool about it. Just happy to have somebody talking about him and everything. And, you know, very friendly guy. And, and that's what we like to do is really bring focus to drivers like that, that, you know, uh, that just don't get talked about that much anymore. 
Now, one more question uh, now that I thought about it. Um, if I remember correctly, I think Kevin Harvick is the only cup driver without a last place finish. Is that correct? So I, he is one of them. Uh, I, I can't speak for necessarily the entire field. Uh, most of the field has, but uh, you are correct. That Kevin Harvick actually, he does not have one in a points race in the cup series. He does have two in exhibition races. Uh, but he is the longest active streak without a single last place finish. The second place guy is Brad Keselowski. He still doesn't have one as well. Uh, but he also has one in, I believe, the um, the Bush Clash before. Very interesting. That's, Very that's interesting. interesting. Yeah, sure so, so I'll tell you what. So we're to the point in the show where we're going to transition out of NASCAR and start talking about IndyCar. But before we do that, uh, we've got a race coming up in Chicago. And we're going to make our picks, and uh, Brock, I'm going to let you have a pick, but I'm going to let you have two picks, Brock, because we always try to pick the winner, <laughs> but Brock, I'm going to let you pick the winner, and, and, the last and I'm going to let you pick the last place, yeah, so. I was hoping you would. <laughs> so, uh, so, so, Brock, I'm going to throw the first pick to you. Who do you think is going to win um, when we get to Chicago, and who do you think is going to finish last? Oh, my goodness. This probably won't come as any surprise, but I'm terrible at picking winners. But, uh, but, uh, you know, go, go into victory lane. I'm, I'm, you know, boy, I'm, I'm thinking, uh, I'm thinking furniture row still is going to keep it going. I, and I, I'm going to go on a, on a limb. I'm going to say Eric Jones. I think Eric Jones, you know, it's too bad. He's missed the cut for the chase. And, but I think I watched him at Darlington. I was very impressed with how he run and, uh, maybe he'll bring a similar mile and a half setup and get that first win. But at the back of the field, uh, you know what? Maybe one of those first timers will get it in. I'm going to think Brad Keselowski for his first last place finish. Ouch! That'd <laughs> <laughs> be right. our playoff story right there. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Okay, who That'd wants some, who wants the next <laughs> pick? Uh, Joey. Joey Barnes just joined us from the road. Joey, you are traveling to Sonoma, so uh, I know you've just joined us. Um, but go, go ahead, give us give us a pick for Richmond. Or well, I mean, I'm in Chicago, Chicago, right? Yeah, well, if you want to pick Kyle Larson for Richmond, that'd be good. But go ahead and give us a pick for Chicago. <laughs> um, I actually like Kyle Larson to win Chicago. I mean, it's a it's a kind of track that's a very unique skill set uh, that takes to get around there. And I think uh, you know, high, wide, and handsome how he likes it, and that's the kind of track that 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 race presents. Good pick. Good pick. Mm-hmm. Good pick. Uh, Seth, you want to be next? Uh, sure. Um, well, Brock picked him to finish last, so I'm going to pick him to finish first. I'm going to go with Brad Keselowski. All right. <laughs> I like, Seth, I like you. Um, <laughs> Richard, Richard, you, you've been a little quiet. Who do you like for, uh, who do you I'm like? still here. Don't worry. Um, it'd be fantastic if Joe Logano won, wouldn't it? That would really stick it to them. Uh, it but would. you know, I'm going to go, I'm <laughs> going to a little bit. A Pyrrhic uh, victory, yeah. Yeah, uh, a little bit closer to home, you know. Uh, actually, yeah, we've had a bit of a turnaround over the last few weeks. We've had some really, really strong runs, uh, which has been great for the team, great for morale. I think Austin could get the job done. He likes the track. Uh, we've been working really, really hard to give him a better car, and uh, that'll be a huge boost for the whole organisation. If uh, you know, if it's not a win, at least a strong finish. And uh, yeah, I think we've put a lot of work in, and he, he does like the place. And then, then yeah, that pick. that wins automatic automatic pass to the next round. Yeah, good pick. Uh, uh, Gray, who you like? Gosh, you see a lot of stories out there. A lot of people have been p- sort of picked up their game 
in the last few weeks and have started to run better. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with, uh, with the 18. Uh, I think he's going to, he's going to get a good run coming out of the box and, and get his playoff, uh, started off well with a win. All right. That's, that's an excellent pick too. And, and I'm going to go with, uh, uh, did I get everybody a pick Chris? Uh, I'll go with Truex and, uh, can I go ahead and make a prediction for the entire chase? Sure, if you'd yeah, like. We'll have at least one encumbered win. Hey, you know what? Ooh. That's uh, that's a good possibility. That's a good possibility, and, and I wonder how they're going to deal with that. So we'll cross that bridge when we get there. So, uh, but I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll go ahead with a guy who always comes alive in the chase, Jimmy Johnson. He's been kind of down and out the last several weeks, but uh, this time of year he usually comes alive. And why not just start the playoffs with uh, snatching the win? in the first race of the playoffs. So uh, uh, with that being said, all our picks are in. Joey, thank you for, for joining us from the road. I know you're in the car or in a hotel. You're on your way out to Sonoma uh, to go out there and get some wine and, che- wine and cheese and watch some IndyCar racing. So um, let me just throw it to you. Uh, preview the um, IndyCar race and the IndyCar championship that we're going to see uh, go down here on uh, Sunday afternoon. Yeah, so um actually got in at 8 o'clock this morning and uh, did a couple of media events today, one in Oakland for the Honda Steam Tour with Max Chilton, and then um, actually just finished doing a, uh, it was at the winery next to the track, but it was a uh, top five of the, in the championship media availability, had a chance to talk to all five guys. Um, interestingly, We'll start at the back of the field right now, uh, back of the championship five, I should say, not last car, but uh, <laughs> looking at Will Power coming into this thing, um, learned that he hyperextended his knee um, on, out playing around in the ocean yesterday and uh, hobbling around a little bit, says it's not going to be a problem for this weekend. I heard he had a really, really good test. Uh, he was lights out last weekend or last week. Um He's going to need some help to win this thing, but you know he's, his track record at this place speaks for itself. He didn't really have a chance to fight for it last year with the with the gear issue uh, going head to head with Simon. I I tell you what, he very well could have everybody else racing for second place because I think we all know that when Will Power's on, he's the hardest guy to beat next to Scott Dixon. So um, you know transitioning from him i'm looking at simon pagino potentially the chance to go back to back be the first back-to-back champion we've had since i think sam hornish back in like oh three um oh three oh four oh two oh three i forget i think it's oh three oh four um uh, dario frank been, been a while dario frank nine ten and eleven ah well there you go <laughs> sorry um, i'm sorry but it's been <laughs> but it's i mean you know uh, but it's been a minute since we've had that. Uh, he'd certainly like to be somebody to capitalize on it. That car that he dominated with last year is in the museum this year, so there ain't no bringing it back. Um, out of everybody, he's probably got like I'm very. It's very interesting to see the body language of everybody that that came in the room. Obviously, Will's about as relaxed as can be because he's got nothing to lose. You look at Simon, and he's got this. I don't want to say a chip on his shoulder by any means, but there's just this, that look he had last year. There's a little bit of that coming back where he's just, he's not focused on anything else. He's focused on himself, his race. 
It's the attitude that got him the championship. It's the body language that also got him that championship in a lot of race wins last year. He looked pretty pretty stout um, at the test from what I heard. But um, although Penske, who doesn't look stout, um, you know, shifting up to Elio, very quiet demeanor. Um, kind of got the feeling that all those rumors might be true. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk over the off season about, uh, or during the season about what's going to happen to him after the year's over. Is he going to go join the Acura program with Penske? Is he going to remain in IndyCar? There's a, apparently a handshake agreement that none of us know about um, as far as what the details of it were, but we know there was a handshake agreement. Cindric, Roger, and, and him were all kind of a part of that. Nobody really wants to go in detail about it until after the season, but judging by the body language, I'm, I'm guessing there's some stipulations um, as far as him returning to IndyCar next year, and I don't think it's going to be anything less than taking that title. Um, that said... He alluded to the fact that he feels his IndyCar um, feels like his IndyCar career, 20 years running now, is is complete, even if it doesn't have a championship. Find that a little hard to believe, but you know it's media day. He's going to touch on the things that 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 he necessarily has to say, kind of a PR friendly way. Um, going to Scott Dixon, easy breezy with him. Tim Sindrick on a conference call. Uh, earlier in the week said that man i'd love to i love the fact that we've got four guys in there but i'd love it a lot more if we didn't have scott dixon uh in that mix um he's been a guy that's upset the, the balance of play you look at 2015 you look at a couple of the, the championship runs against elio he's been the guy that's gotten the better of elio it'd be kind of karma if elio could pull it out this weekend i guess from that perspective um but Scott's really kind of the wrench in the plans. Penske's going to do everything he can to ensure that it doesn't get out of the Penske camp, um, that they can win their third title in four years. But um, I tell you what, he Scott Dixon knows how to get around this place as, as well as any track, obviously. But the chance to get number five, he'd be joining the likes of Foyt. Um, very rare errors. He continues to parlay his career into new heights. And then, obviously, Joseph Newgarden. Um coming to the points leader it's there's a i don't want to say there's not necessarily a swagger to him by any stretch he's very focused but it's in a business as usual kind of approach he's not making this out to be a bigger deal i think after Watkins Glen, you saw Cindric, who's his race strategist this year um probably calm him down have him look at the race championship picture as a whole um I think there's going to be some gloves gloves off in this scenario. You know, Pagano alluded to the fact that even though they're they're cleared the air with him and Joseph, he understands how Joseph's going to race him now, um, and and you know as well as anybody else because this is the last race of the season. So coming into this fun media day situation, and there's tons of audio. I can't even make out all of it at this point, but I like where Elio's sitting. I like the fact that this, if this is a, uh, you know, all or nothing scenario, I think he's the guy you don't want to go up against, even though he hasn't necessarily been clutch in the past. He's also never been in a situation where he's had to race for his ride before. Um, and, and we all know that that could be motivation for a lot of people to do a lot of good things in their career. Um, I personally think 
and maybe this is me thinking that it's fitting because he's been in it 20 years. I like Elio to get his first championship and maybe do something Jeff Gordon couldn't win a title in his last season. Um, that said, it's going to be really tough to beat Scott Dixon, and it's going to be Will Powers probably going to win this race on Sunday, honestly. Um, barring some sort of mechanical mishap, I don't think that it's going to be anybody else but Power and Victory Lane. Um, he, he likes the way the new brakes combination are at, at a place like Sonoma. It's notorious for low surface grip uh, for these Indy cars. Essentially, the red sidewall tires from last year are now the blacks this year, so there's all sorts of different compounds going into play, and we're going to have about six hours of testing tomorrow to really fine-tune these things. Um, you know, I, if I'm looking at a guy to rival um, Will, I would probably go go ahead, and I know I'm kind of on this bandwagon as of late, but I'd go with Rossi. Um, seeing what he did at Watkins Glen, he hasn't finished less than sixth in the last five or six races. He's got three podiums and a win. He's a tough guy to beat. And, you know, in Sonoma, he should have finished fourth here last year in his only in his, in his only start at the time. Um, and that was when Honda had a defunct package compared to this year, you know, when they didn't run nearly as good as this year, when Andretti wasn't nearly as good as this year. Um, so just like he scrapped it out with Dixon last week, I could see a scenario where he's scrapping it out with uh, Will Power this week. Yeah, I mean, to your point, Joe, I, uh, in my little racing pool, I, I picked Rossi for the win. Um, I, I think he's going to be really tough to beat at Sonoma, but uh, to your point, Will Power is tough to beat anywhere, any track, anywhere, you know. So it, it's going to be interesting title battle. And, Chris, I, I want to bring um, bring you in and get your thoughts on the championship and uh, where, where you, who you who you like, who you don't like. Honestly, it's – between Newgarden, I think it's going to be between Newgarden and Dixon, unless Elio pulls a massive rabbit out of the head. As for which one wins it between Newgarden and Dixon, I think it's going to be Dixon because, quite frankly, Joseph hasn't been in this position before. But sometimes, if you're up against you know a wall like you are when Scott Dixon's going up against you, you don't have a choice but to you know perform. Um, I don't I'll say this. think Joseph's this is- drawing. Joseph's drawing, getting the best drawn out of him because of Dixon, though. I mean, True. his game is raised to an entirely new level. And just because, and, and I'm, I'm interrupting you, and I'm sorry. The thing that I think, and you alluded to, is like, this is a crapshoot. These are five guys. Let's not forget, even though seven are mathematically eligible, at race start, Graham Ray Hall is eliminated. But. Oddly enough, the longest of shots, if something ridiculous happens where the top five guys end up out of this race, Rossi's still sitting in a chance to win this title, which is crazy. We know he shows up in double points races, obviously, um, you know, and fuel issues and places that have wreaths. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, you know, I look at I look at the scenario with, with Newgarden, I don't remember the last time we saw an American with this much poise. I don't remember. Like I, I, Graham is great. Graham is the kind of driver who I would love to have on a race team because I love that kind of fiery attitude out of a guy. I like I like to see some swagger. I like to see some fight. And not to say that Joseph didn't have the fight. Um, you know, 
and we've seen flashes of it out of out of other Amer- young American drivers. But I think when you look at Newgarden, you're seeing a guy that has championship medal that's shining through, and he's not going to be a guy that's going to finish third or fourth in the championship consistently and be the American hopeful that doesn't get a title. I think it's a matter of, of when and not if, and it very well could be this year because he's knocking down every barrier that has stopped guys before him over the last decade that were Americans. I mean, you could argue, not that I think much of Sam Hornish Jr. as an overall IndyCar driver on talent because you've got to turn right and left and not just left, but I think that he's probably the best guy since then that we've had to come in and try to win a title. Yeah, and, and Hornish was also the last guy to win a championship in his first year as a Penske driver. Of course, yeah. mind, mind you, Hornish had two titles behind him with Panther uh, to begin with. So he was already, you already knew how to win a championship. Now, the, the interesting thing about Joseph that I heard, and these were comments from uh, from Roger and Tim, uh, both that, uh, that Joseph has adapted to the organization faster and more efficiently than any driver they've ever seen. And I think that speaks volumes coming from, coming from those guys there. You agree? I mean, I think a lot, I think a lot of that's because of Tim Sindrick. Um, you saw over the off season where, uh, you know, and Chris might agree with me here is just, you know, he moved over from willpower's pit box and uh, Colin Ray strategy for Will guiding him to a title in 2014 comes over kind of new territory, uh, new driver, learning, learning a new person's cadences on the radio, on the track, et cetera. And um, has helped kind of bridge that learning curve because I mean, let's be honest, Will's in his mid thirties, Simon, even though he's still relatively new to the IndyCar scene by comparison to other people like Graham and Marco and other guys that have been here a while, he's still in his thirties. Um, Elio 20th season in his forties, Joseph Newgarden's a guy they can invest in the same way that they invested in a Rick Mears, you know, I, and I honestly think that that's part of the reason they try to get him up to speed as quickly as possible. And by Tim Sindrick being involved, Will Power mentioned it today. Tim Sindrick, in his opinion, is the best race strategist in the entire garage. So, um, yeah, Tim, you know, Tim, that's a Tim hell Sindrick, of a compliment. Yeah, Tim Sindrick is a brilliant man. He absolutely is the, the you know, when I first started reporting, uh, you know, and doing media stuff, the first interview I was granted was a, I, I drove over to Reading, Pennsylvania, where the Penske shops used to be held, and sat down in the office and interviewed Tim Sindrick. And this is when he, you know, was you know first brought into Penske, and right then and there I realized how brilliant this guy was, and and that was 17 years ago, and I just see where he's brought this organization to, not just the IndyCar operation, but the NASCAR teams as well. Um, you know, Tim Tim is the president of, of racing operations for Penske, and he just he's just absolutely brilliant, and um, you know, hats off to him for all he's done. And I think I think also to add to to this point is I think it was really important that Joseph came from a Chevy organization and Ed Carpenter Racing. I mean, you're looking at a guy that we we all know that Chevrolet and Honda they all have their little nuances. They all keep things really tight knit in house. You know, different map engine mappings, different gear ratios, different ways that they do things. And Simon, not only did he go to a brand new Penske team in his first year, whenever he moved from Schmidt over to Penske, uh, 
it was also a transition of manufacturers. So it was learning all those new nuances because, you know, data points and he had to take everything into account because, you know, it, everything is different whenever you're changing engine manufacturers, uh, because that with the aero kit combined with, with the engine, it changes everything. It changes how you, the technique of what you drive the car. So Pagano had to essentially relearn everything. Um, whereas you look at Joseph and it, he was really set up with success for that. And I think a lot of that's because of Tim. And I think it's because they went after a guy that was already in their same manufacturer power plant. I would be very interested, regardless of how Sunday comes out, I'm very interested to see how Joseph adapts to the 2018 car, because I think that's really going to be the telltale of how quickly he adapts to that. You know, that's where we're going to see a lot of that talent shine from a lot of the drivers on the grid. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but with no further ado, let's go around the table and everybody can make a pick for who wins Sonoma and who wins the title. Who wants to go first? Richard? I think it's going to be Dixon for both. All right. And I'll just throw this out there. Guys, we, we can repeat. Okay, Usually in NASCAR, if, if a pick is taken, you can't take it. But this being the title battle, you can... Uh, you can uh, say something somebody else did. So, Seth, you're next. I was going to say Newgarden for both. Okay. Win, win, and the championship. Uh, Brock. You yeah, watch, you, watch, t- you watch IndyCar what? at all? Yeah, I'm actually going to be there at that race as a fan. So that'll oh, be uh, that'll be cool. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. You ought to hit up. You ought to hit up Joey. Absolutely. You guys hang Absolutely. out, and have a beer. Yeah. I'll be here. I'll be around. There you go. I'm I'll actually about to have a beer. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> yeah, no, I'll, I'm going to sign up for Team Newgarden. Uh, had a chance to interview him after uh, about that uh, that crazy milk uh, promo he did for the Indy 500, and that, that's endeared me to him since then. All right, uh, Gray, you're next. I'll, I'm going to split it up. I like uh, I like Will Power for the race, and I like uh, uh, Newgarden uh, for the championship. Chris. Uh, I'm going to say Newgarden for the championship and for uh, the race. I'm going to say I'm going to say Castro Neves. Although I think if Castro Neves wins a race, he also wins a championship, doesn't he? Uh, not if Newgarden's second. Yeah. I think. True. Yeah. No. 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 It, it's there's there's only a t- it's twenty two point difference. Uh, you have to be I think twenty five. I think. I haven't looked at the point standings. Yeah, there's there's a great little I know, spread. Like, I haven't looked at the look double at, point yeah. spread. Yeah, I think it, I think it's going to be cool to sit down and look at all the different clinch scenarios with you know with who wins the race and who finishes where, who gets the championship. I think that's one of the neat things with so many drivers that you know going into this thing this weekend and it being double points. It could be some really crazy scenarios that that come out of it. You know, I'm just going to throw this out there to to. You know, to to <laughs> just totally change the topic. I just love the um, the clinch scenarios, right? Uh, where 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 we're watching the race point. Point says they run now and this and that. And I and I think when we go back to our our friends over at NASCAR, the whole the whole chase for the championship, the championship race, we got four guys, and just whoever finishes first wins. You just don't have that anymore. The point says they run, and I mean that is just totally gone from NASCAR with this thing, whoever finishes ahead of the other four guys wins. I mean, we've got seven guys eligible to, for the championship. 
NASCAR has four because they want to make sure they have four. But, uh, gosh, they could have more. I don't know. Just throwing that out there. But uh, who still needs to pick? Joey? Yeah, I mean, Seth hadn't picked yet, I don't think. I picked. Did he? Yeah, yeah, Seth picked. Oh, okay. Seth picked New Oh, I, I'm the last last man up then. Um, That's right. That's right. Man. Um, man, I power for the race just seems like an easy pick. Um, you know, screw it. I like A for a bookend to the what's been a hellacious season for Dale Coyne. It'd be a great story. It'd be a great way for him to cap off what's been one of the crazier years in his career. Um, it's easy to overlook them all the time. Um, and I think Newgarden and Dix are going to probably push each other to the point where they're off track. And I think Elio's going to end up squeaking this thing out to get the, uh, get the title. And hopefully save his ride. Cause I'd love to see Elio one more season. And so, but with that said, I guess the pick is to me, I, I like Rossi for the race and I like Dixon for the championship. So, uh, with that being said, let's talk about formula one for just a few minutes before we go off the air. Um, couple of news stories coming out of Formula One. Richard, uh, um, McLaren has confirmed they're going to go with Renault Power. Um, Carlos Sainz is moving over to Renault from Red Bull. Um, and we're racing next week where? Singapore. Singapore. Yes, the uh, yep. night, night race Night race with the, with the fireworks and whatnot. So, uh, yep. what, Best what, race of the year. Oh, yeah. Just saying. Yeah, that's something special. It is, yeah. It's a pretty, pretty cool place to be. I think. Yeah, I always like that one. Yeah. So, uh, so what are we looking at in Singapore? And 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 then let's talk about Alonso because there's some, uh, there's some. Uh, I read a little tidbit that Alonso has gone ahead and signed for McLaren, but that I'm not sure how confirmed that source was. So, it wouldn't surprise me if Alonso hasn't signed up uh, for. You know, at least another year, if not two or three. Um, you know, so some of the performances put in uh, in this year have been, in his own words, the greatest of his career. I don't know whether that's him, uh, you know, blowing his own trumpet, as it were. But hey, you know, he just seems to have been pretty impressive out there. Um, I mean, in a way, you know, the race this weekend has almost taken a side stage to to, to a lot of the the posturing and the movements that we've seen. This week, in, you know, it was really all started off with the, the Carlos Science moving to uh, the Renault for, for next season. That well, there was even talk of him actually being there uh, for the last few races of the season, with uh, I believe Pierre Gasly coming in to, to fill his seat at Toro Rosso. But from sort of the domino effect, that would put uh, Julian Palmer out of a seat, which he's had a couple of good races recently, but. He's had a fair crack of the whip at Formula One, and he's just not quite there. You know, maybe go to IndyCar, maybe do uh, Le Mans racing, um, maybe a little bit more out of the of the public eye for him could suit him in a little bit better. But with that Renault deal at McLaren, obviously that'll keep uh, Alonso there, probably with Van Dorn for for the next few years at least. That also means that Honda will move to Toro Rosso, which is an interesting move for Red Bull. Uh, the the sort of parent team to to Toro Rosso, they've been not quite so much the last year or two, but certainly in this turbo era, almost as vocal about how poor Red Bull um, Renault have been as in the same way that uh, 
Um, McLaren have been vocal about how poor Honda have been. Uh, this gives Red Bull a, a prime opportunity to to monitor Honda's progress uh, over the next over the next few seasons and and potentially look at getting on board with Honda uh, and ditching the Renault deal, which they've never been happy with. Especially now, Renault have come back in as uh, you know, a manufacturer team. And also now with the McLaren deal, um, it also it puts a lot of pressure on McLaren. You know, they've said for for the last two or three years that they've had the best chassis in Formula One with the best aerodynamics and all of these sort of um, claims. Well, now it's an opportunity against what has undoubtedly in the last ten years possibly been the ultimate chassis over that period in, in the Red Bull. So it's an opportunity now for McLaren to to step up and show that they're worth it um, against that Red Bull chassis. So some huge changes going on. Um, the one guy it does leave leave out in the cold a little bit is uh, Robert Kubica, as we mentioned earlier. Um, in a little bit of shame, I think the nostalgic guys really wanted to, to see him back in there. Was he too much of a risk for the Renault hierarchy? You know, after his test at uh, Hungary where... Everybody said he did well. Renault came out and said, well, there's still some unanswered questions there, which put a little bit of sowed a seed of doubt in people's minds, I think. It'd be interesting, the potential of him going to Williams there to replace Massa, who, um, again, as you mentioned earlier, sort of seems to have forgotten that he retired last year. Um, and, of course, also Valtteri uh, Bottas signing for, uh, for another year going into, uh, into 2018. On top of all of that, I think one of the most interesting things to come out of this week is McLaren's statement that they would be interested or have not ruled out manufacturing their own engines uh, in 2020 when the engine regulations change. I think that could be a. I think that's their ultimate aim, really. Now they've realised that this Honda deal hasn't worked, um, and they've sort of backed themselves down, down in a bit of a corner here. Uh, the, the Renault deal, I think, is only a temporary deal to make them at least competitive and, and potentially put themselves in the positions for, for podiums and wins. I, I think their aim eventually, as I say, come 2020, will be to, to manufacture the, their own engine. Oh, sorry, 2000, might be 21, won't it? 2021, when uh, the next cycle of engine rules comes into play. So, uh, yeah, and then on top of all of that, you, as we mentioned, had probably one of the most visually stunning races of the year coming up at uh, Singapore this weekend. You'd expect to see Ferrari bounce back from their disappointments at, uh, on their home turf in, uh, in Monza. You'd potentially ex- expect to see Red Bull uh, up there. You'd expect to see McLaren up there. Mercedes will potentially, again, struggle as much as Mercedes will ever struggle. Um, you expect to probably see the likes of Williams and Force India struggle. On a on a track that requires high high downforce and isn't quite so power limited, so um, it's going to be a great race. Really looking forward to that one. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, so that'll be on at like uh, <coughs> about midnight midnight Saturday night. Uh, I think with it being a night race, I think it's about six or seven o'clock in the morning oh, on Sunday. So, so it's like regular Formula One time for us. Okay, yeah. Yeah, now a lot of what a lot of a lot of what the teams will do. Uh, it's these little things that they they do to sort of the the the, the fine margins that they work with. Uh, McLaren did a PR thing a few years ago with their hotel provider. They actually 
put up blackout curtains on their hotels so the mechanics and the drivers and the engineers will not change their time zone from the UK. They will go to wake up at whatever time they normally wake up, which will be, say, early afternoon in Singapore, work as if it was a normal day, and then go to bed at 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning Singapore time and make sure they stick on that, that normal cycle. But yeah, that, that's always the uh, caveat with traveling uh, through uh, you know many time zones that uh, you can just really mess up sleep schedule. That's kind of smart. Yeah, just uh, just just act like act like we're on GMT time. So so Richard, who do you like for Singapore? Ricciardo. Okay, Joey, who do you like for Singapore? That was going to be my pick. Um, damn it. Um, honestly, probably Botas. I, I, I hate to pick a Mercedes car right now, just given everything, but he's been lights out on the street circuits. Uh, I, I look at Russia, it's really suited him. Um, and this kind of feels a little bit like that, although the longer wheelbase slightly hurts them. Um, so, yeah. Ferrari's going to bounce back. I don't think Hamilton's going to have a good race. I, I think it's going to be Botas, followed by Ricardo, and then uh, a Ferrari on, on the bottom step of that podium. All right, cool. Brock, you got any opinion on uh, who's going to win at Singapore? Um, I'll go with Verstappen. Okay. All right. Great. I'm I'm just going to say Hamilton because he seems like he's on a roll. Why not? Yep, exactly. Chris? Um, I'll make Joey's night. Kimi Raikkonen. Uh, I was going to pick Kimi. All right, Seth, who you got? Uh, Vettel hasn't been picked yet, has he? <laughs> Not yet. I'll take Vettel then. Okay, so that I guess that leaves me Lance Stroll. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I will. I'll go with Lance Stroll. Why? I don't know. You should. So. You, should you should probably pick Nico Hulkenberg. Just saying. I he actually can get a right, yeah. podium. <laughs> What about yeah, Fernando? Yeah, yeah you know threat. what? I, I like Nico Hulkenberg. Yeah, because, that's, because that's Hulk, top five for it was, uh, possible. It was Singapore where uh, Alonso got the win when uh, Nelson Piquet Jr. Uh, stuck it in the wall deliberately. So lightning could strike twice there. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you this, know this race suits Ricardo more than any other on the whole calendar, I think. Yeah, I think you're right there. But I like, I like Hulkenberg because he runs the number 27, and the number 27 is my favorite car number of all time, uh, which, uh, um, golly, years ago I wrote an article about the number 27 and my favorite drivers running it. So um, with that being Paul said. In that, is that Paul Menard in that category? Uh, <laughs> sure, why not? Yeah, yeah. Paul Menard won a, won a, won a sure. sure. Yeah, you know. He's not driving the 27 next year, but sure. Sure, yeah. So, <laughs> golly, I thought when Marco moved from the 26 to the 27, that was going to be his good luck charm, and well, that didn't work. So, <laughs> so, oh man, good stuff, good stuff, guys. Uh, man, we're just about out of time, so I'm just going to go around the table for final thoughts. Um, all six of you, because we've got a big panel tonight. Everybody get one final thought, and then we're going to sign off. Uh, and I'll start with you, my friend Gray. Well, big weekend, uh, the uh, season finale for uh, for IndyCar and the first race in the playoffs. So, yeah, we'll have a have a lot to to look look for this weekend. Always always a good weekend to see it. I think with the 
that the different clinch scenarios is going to really make the IndyCar race very, very compelling and, and an enjoyable race to watch. So I'm looking forward to that and looking forward to see how the Cup guys uh, shake out after the first playoff race. All right, Seth, your final thoughts uh, for the evening? Uh, the ambulance incident at Richmond was not the first this season. There's been a couple behind the scenes. Uh, at Fontana, the ambulance drove so fast over the rough pavement, it uh, literally launched Matt Kenseth out of the uh, seat in the ambulance. And with Brad Keselowski at two different tracks, the ambulance got lost on the way to the media, uh, to the uh, medical center. <laughs> many, many years ago at, at a racetrack, I can't remember where it was, but uh, the ambulance went over a bump and ejected Buddy Baker uh, out of the back of it. So I'm gonna tell you what, man. We we need, we need a skilled driver in that ambulance. Maybe 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 that's a landing spot for Danica, ambulance driver. So, Christopher, you are next. Uh, I'm looking forward to this weekend. It's going to be an interesting championship chase for IndyCar. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen in the off season for who's going to get rides where. Uh, still have the Chris Griffiths test coming up in uh, October and got a chance to talk to Anthony Martin recently and he's looking to do some uh, good things at that test. Uh, this is going to be a decent and interesting off season. I'm also looking forward to seeing how the rest of the chase uh, comes out with all these different playoff points. All right, Joey, your final thought for the um, evening. Yeah, a little bit of a small rant. Um, so <laughs> Danica announces her, you know, leaving Stuart Haas and that led some people and the media industry to immediately assume she's going to go to IndyCar, um, stating well, fact with well, opinion and yeah, why she yeah, should. Joe, Joey, some of those people aren't in the media industry, but yeah, you know who I'm talking about. But go some, ahead. Yeah, but but some of them happen to make their way into the media center. And anyway, this there's there's a few people. This particular one that I read said that this is why she should do IndyCar because she, she would have seats available. Fact is, seats are available not just if you have talent, but if you have money. And there are several drivers right now that have talent and no money. Secondly, I think it's crap that just because, and she's still pursuing a NASCAR career to my knowledge and to everybody else's, uh, unless she's looking to start a family at the moment, I am really kind of pissed off at the fact that this is the subject that comes up during the week that we're about to celebrate a championship. Um, I, I think it's it's cheap, and I think that people are putting their attention in all the wrong places. But then again, maybe that's why they don't come to the media center so much, because they don't have the attention to put into the sport to begin with, in which case they shouldn't cover it. Um, small rant. But, yeah, that, that pretty much pissed me off because they're not giving these drivers that are in this championship, Newgarden trying to get his first, Dixon trying to get his fifth, Pagano trying to go back-to-back, back, you know, Elio trying to get his first after 20 years, and then Will Power trying to get another one, a first time with his son Bo at the helm with him. And then, obviously, new superstars like Rossi coming on, coming on strong. It, it's a disservice to them that we overlook what they've accomplished this year to chase something that is really not a non-story. Joey, two words. Amen, brother. Amen. So, uh, Brock, if you're still oh, with yeah. us, you get yep, a final, final thought for the night. 
Ah, cool. Uh, yeah, very excited about this weekend. Uh, beginnings and endings with uh, the IndyCar at uh, Sonoma and the uh, Chicagoland starting the chase. Uh, I, or the playoffs. Uh, I always think I think that the, the playoffs, I'd be very surprised if Kyle Larson and Martin Truex aren't part of the Final Four. So I'm going to be kind of watching that starting this weekend, seeing uh, how they get through all this. But, uh, you know, and then uh, on the IndyCar side, I mean, my goodness, I mean, you know, it's it's been said by the rest of you here that, you know, it's it's a great it's a great show. It should be getting more attention and um, be looking forward to seeing it. Uh, well, my thunder's been stolen there, but uh, uh, on, on on the Danica situation. But I just wanted, you know, I, I, I just want to reiterate those points. Really, you have somebody that in the last four completed season in NASCAR has finished twenty seventh, twenty eighth, twenty fourth, and twenty fourth with the best finish of sixth at Atlanta in two thousand fourteen. They've lost their drive at one of the top uh, top teams with a, a very prized seat, which is a championship winning team. Shouldn't be too much of a surprise. Maybe gets a little snippet of a column in the uh, in the afterthoughts. No, this is front page news on CNN. It's a crazy world. It's a crazy world. My final thought of the night is: I always love the fact that we go into the to the season ender at Sonoma with IndyCar. And okay, somebody somebody's dog playing drums. Uh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that was. Uh, anyway, my my final thought. You know, I just love when we go into the season interim with so many guys mathematically able to win this thing. Um, yeah, some some have a closer shot than others. Um, you know, some have an easier path. Uh, this is one of the tightest battles we've seen in years, with only three points separating the top two and only a few more points separating the top four. So uh, I'm really looking forward to see what goes down at Sonoma um, and uh, if it's going to be clean on the track or if it's going to be, um, you know, a matter of, uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to take points from you. So uh, with, with that being said, I want to thank each and every one of you on the panel, Gray, Seth, Chris, Richard, Brock. Good to have you on the show. And Joey, have a great time this weekend at Sonoma. Um, don't drink too much of that wine. Bring me some home. I don't drink wine. <laughs> You're, in beer, You're in Sonoma. You're in Sonoma. That's I don't the care. spirit. That's... I mean, you know, give me some Jamesons and I'm happy. That's all I can tell you. All right, well, go to the Grand Prix in Ireland. <laughs> yeah. We we have uh, other beverages. You'll be fine, man. <laughs> all right. I mean, if I can be, you know, it's funny you say that because there's actually a Grand Prix of Ireland Cup in the Indianapolis Museum. Yes, there is. Just yes, saying. there is. Yep, I saw it too. So, and is uh, completely off uh, off track. It Northern Ireland has just had the go ahead for a uh, a new circuit to be built uh, that probably cost of what about forty million dollars. Looks quite a nice little circuit. Hope to get some uh, sort of Category Two FIA sanctioned events, World Touring Cars, British Touring Cars. Uh, it's a great little circuit. Yeah, it'd be good. Yeah, that's worth a pint right there. That's good news. That's worth the pint of Guinness, yeah. So, uh, that being said, guys, you know what? Uh, I want to thank the Hoobas Radio for hosting us. Uh, thank you, iHeartRadio, for uh, putting us out there. <laughs> guys, have a good night. We'll talk to you next week. Um, good night, everybody. Drivers, start your engines! What for? Because you need any other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect. When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.